0: listening to the Keef to the City podcast.
1: All right, after returning home and dropping the first game of a quick two-game series against the Rockies, the Yankees bounce back with a come-from-behind win on Wednesday afternoon in the Bronx to sort of right the ship momentarily as they finish up this important 11-game trip uh, against the Rockies and Twins, what I call the most important 11 games in regular season for the Yankees since 1993. They've got three games left. They pretty much need to sweep them. Uh, Anything short of that will be considered a disaster. But with the Yankees... In the middle of a pretty decent home stand before they head out on the road, before the All-Star break. Joining me today to talk Yankees baseball is Scott Ryan in from the Bronx Pinstripes blog. Um, he's been on the podcast before. I actually joined him last week on the Bronx Pinstripes, filling in for his co-host, which you can check out over on BronxPinstripes.com. Scott, how's it going today? I'm
0: good, Neil. We are fresh off of a, a Starlin Castro's first walk-off in the Bronx, so it's kind of a, a welcome to New York for Starlin. It was... It was, a, it was a it was an interesting day. A lot of back and forth pitching failed us, but luckily the the bats came to came to play.
1: Yeah, and because the team has been sort of slumping, or they do their usual you know win three, lose three, which is the um, essence of a five hundred team. And I, I, yes, last night I tweeted, "I'm done with Starling Castro." So of course I had some people remind me <laughs> of that today when he hit the walk off home run.
0: Yeah, see, I mean, like he's one of those guys that I, I really can't complain about. I mean, we know how he got off in the beginning of the season and started off really hot, and he come down to earth when people, when the American League pitchers realize he can't touch the outside uh, breaking ball, and he'll swing at it every single time, so he's definitely cooled down and come down to earth, but I don't know, he's a guy that, that I see as, uh, as he's going to be here for a while, he's going to progress, and I think I think he's going to be a good Yankee for years to come, so I'm excited about him, and he's, he's probably one of the guys I can't complain about.
1: Yeah, it almost feels like you look at his numbers, what he did with the Cubs, and I don't know if it's because he hasn't adjusted to American League pitching, or they didn't know what to expect, and they've adjusted to him, and now it's his turn to adjust to them. But from you know April on, I mean, he was he was unbelievable in April. He sort of made me feel like had they traded for him last year at the deadline, things might have ended up differently at the end of last season. But through May and most of June now, he, he's been pretty bad. So it's good to see him get three hits on uh, on Wednesday in the win, and and you know going back to even Tuesday night. There was a couple of at-bats the last couple of days here where he's been taking the first two pitches of an at-bat and he's sort of gotten screwed because they've been right down the middle or they've both been strikes and he's found himself in a lot of O2 holes. But I think it's finally time that someone took him aside and they, and I think they <laughs> let him know that he doesn't have to be up there hacking at every pitch. And his approach has certainly been different. It certainly helped out on Wednesday and that was his best game in a long, long time.
0: Yeah, definitely. And you know, he may be prone to, to long stretches of, of streakiness, you know, not unlike a lot of the Yankees on this team But You saw in the first half of what, what happened last year in Chicago. Granted, he had, you know, a, uh, he had a, a change. He got moved over to second base uh, for Addison Russell, and he, he was awful at the plate for the first first half of the season for the Cubs. And then the second half, he was, he was uh, I think, the, the statistically, you know, speaking by average, he was the, uh, you know, the, the highest average position player in the, in the second half of the National League. He was hitting like a 360 clip. But the kids, the kid can definitely hit. I think he got a, he definitely has to work on his patience and and you know identifying the pitches. But from when you listen to interviews and things about him, what he said is that the National League that, uh, the National League pitchers will actually come after you a lot more often than the American League will. At least that's that's what he's noticed so far. So he's definitely uh, the adjustment now has to be on his end.
1: When we talked in your podcast on June twelfth, so a couple Sundays ago after the old timers' day loss to the Tigers. And at the time, the Yankees were coming off back-to-back losses to the Tigers after winning five straight, and it didn't bother me because they had swept the angels in four then win one out of three against the Tigers which ends up being five and two which is what I needed what I wanted them or what I said they needed to do and then in this 18 game stretch which started with the Angels which will end with the twins I was hoping for 12 and six um you know since since that's not really that doable anymore because uh, they've sort of positioned themselves poorly with their play against the Rockies but with the twins now coming here uh, this weekend you know after what they did against them in Minnesota winning three out of four I feel like anything short of a sweep be, should be considered a disaster because that's how bad the Twins are, that's how good the Yankees need to be at home, and if they can't beat up on the teams like the Rockies, who have no pitching but have hitting, and the Twins, who really have neither, I mean, what are we really waiting around for if they can't even get wins at home against the Twins?
0: I mean, I agree with you, I, I still think that these Rockies games were, were just lost opportunities as well, I mean, we, we saw, I don't know what the Rockies are like every when they play everybody else, but... That, that entire lineup can hit the ball, and you know maybe it's our mediocre pitching, uh, or maybe it's you know these guys are just you know up and coming hitters. I mean, that the third baseman not kid, I really haven't seen him much, but he's impressive. He's an impressive he's an impressive young uh, young ball player. And you're right, with Minnesota, you got to look sweep. I mean, I, I think these guys got to walk into that saying that's what we need to do in this series. We have to sweep this series. And. I don't know how much or how long we can continue to beat up on the Twins, but at some point it's going to come around on us. (laughs) It needs to be not this time.
1: Yes, certainly not this time. And when I said, you know, back on June 6th, in this 18 game stretch, they need to go 12 and 6. And when I said on June 14th, in this 11 game stretch, they needed to go at least 7 and 4, if they could sweep the Twins, they'll finish both 12 and 6 and 7 and 4. So this has a chance for the making of, you know, getting them to 500 and not only getting them there, but getting them over. They haven't been two games over since. Way back, uh, you know, after the sixth game of the season when they were four and two, and it's been a mountain, you know, it's been a climb all the way back for the last. Uh, nearly now three months they've been trying to get back to that plateau so to get two games over with the Rangers coming in for four games the Rangers who not only are the best team in the American League but with the way the Cubs are banged up and the way they've been playing of late the Rangers might be the best team in the entire league so if they can't beat up on the Twins this weekend with the Rangers coming in for four next week uh, things could spiral out of control here and maybe uh, they'll finally realize it, it might be time to sell which are you still a proponent of now that we haven't talked in you know 10 days are you still on the sell bandwagon yeah I mean what has changed I really don't.
0: I don't know what's changed. We've 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 won some. We've lost some. We've won some. We've lost some. And it just continues to be this. This I've been calling them a bipolar team because you have no idea what's going to happen, and it happens in in small lengths of time. It's not like, not like they you know they'll whip off uh, six wins, win lose lose one or two, and then go back on a winning streak. It just doesn't happen that way. It's, it's uh they just continue to to fall back to, you know, five hundred or below five hundred at this point. I know after they after their rough start. They're, they're, at, they're playing over 500 ball. But, yeah, I'm still, I still think that there's assets, no matter what the situation is that they need to sell. Like, we talked about this week, uh, Andrew and I talked about on, um, on our show on, uh, that we released on Monday, and one of the big things I was saying is I don't care where the Yankees are at the, at the trade deadline. First of all, we know that they're not going to be clear, clear contenders right? at that point. It's, it's going to be muddy waters. There's, there's just no question about that. At that point, in my opinion, you've got to sell Chapman at, ver- at the very least. Chapman's a guy that is not going to be signed again. So there are teams out there that are desperate for closers that have assets, the Nationals, the Cubs, potentially the Giants. These guys are all going to pay over what you, know, what you can get. Uh, they're going to pay a high, a high value for a guy like Chapman, even if he is a rental. So to me, they got a capital at least with with uh, with hitting out of
1: Kevin. Yeah, you know, if I, they had lost today, I was all ready to sell. I even tweeted about it when they were down eight to four before the comeback uh, nine to eight win, and and that sort of changed things because, I, like I said, they needed to go twelve and six in the next eighteen and seven and four in this eleven, and they have a chance now to do that if they could sweep to Twins. And if you look at the division, I mean, they're five and a half games behind the Orioles for first. They're four and a half games back of Boston, and had you know two of those Rockies games go the other way, and they go three and one against the Rockies instead of one and three. You know they're right in the mix. They'd be only uh, two and a half behind Boston and three and a half behind the Orioles. So the rest of this vision is just not winning, and it's unfortunate that the Yankees haven't been able to win over the last ten days or so because they really could have made up some solid ground and been even better position than they currently are which isn't great and to be one game over 500 and to play uh one game under 500 and to play as poorly as they have for 71 games this season and to still really be in the mix gives me hope that you know things haven't gone their way at all and if things could go their way just a little bit there's no reason they can't be in in this thing for the last three months and I feel like not only that but the whole reason like we talked about in your podcast is I just don't think ownership uh, is ever going to give cash when the green light to sell it? And they sort of proved that point the other day when Hal Steinbrenner said he thinks this team will be in it throughout the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, and and that's that's the sticking point. I mean, as much as I think that they should sell, or, or you know, we get to a point where I believe that that's that's the right move for the team, I, I agree with you in the sense that I don't. You look at the history of the Yankees; they're not sell, they're not the selling team. It's just not what they do. And and with the division as as mediocre as it is, as up and down as it is, all the way all the way through. I mean, there's no clear. There's no clear outstanding team in, this, in the AL East this year, so so yeah, there there are there are points um, there are points to staying into it. I, I understand what they're saying. I understand that they don't want to to have a, a you know a less than less than stellar product or less than you know as best as they could be product in New York uh, for the remainder of the season. So hey, Chase Headley hit a grand slam today, so maybe there is a <laughs> sign of something good to come.
1: Yeah, and you know the thing I've been thinking about when it comes to selling is if you look at this division, there's no like. Sleeping giant like the Mets have been the last few years with their great pitching. People are just waiting for it to come around, and or the Royals of the last you know five six years, or the Cubs down with what they've become last year and this year. None of the teams in the AL East are just sitting around with you know a stockpile of talent waiting to become that. And it almost seems like if the Yankees do give up on this season and they're able to get some of those players that do have that bright of a future, you know they could really embed themselves as the front runner of this division for a long time because all these other teams are just as mediocre as them. They just got off to better start than they did, and it seems like no one really has a, a, a huge future at stake right now, and if they were to sell, they could sort of separate themselves from the pack in the near future at least.
0: I totally agree with that, and, and while I am I, I am probably one of the, the, the biggest proponents about not talking about the giant free agent class that's coming in a few years, but there was an article, I think it was in the Daily News, it was either yesterday or this morning, I don't remember when I read it, but it was, it was basically about uh, positioning yourself and positioning a team to be more attractive for that free agent class. And I'm not going to talk specific names because who the hell knows what's going to happen, how many people are going to sign uh, team-friendly long-term contracts like, like the natural sign of Strasburg. But th- there is a point to that, I think, and I think it's a valid point. I think that you know, you're know you in New York, obviously you have a leg up, I think, from, from other people. But at the same time, if you are stockpiling talent to, to, to supplement and go along with the big superstar name, um, I, I think that can only help you towards the future. And, and like you said, Everybody else is kind of same uh, same pat, and I think the Yankees could absolutely make a move with the youth and uh, and really propel themselves for for years to come. So,
1: well, since the last time we talked, uh, they lost two to the Rockies in Colorado. They won three out of four to the Twins, and they split with the Rockies at the stadium. And along the way, Ivan Nova got beat up by the Rockies twice. Uh, gave the Yankees two losses in the process. And after sort of taking over a rotation spot because of Luis Severino's injury and then solidifying himself and making people think, you know, maybe he turned back the clock three years and he's having the sort of spurt he did in 2013 or even 2011 when he was basically the Yankees' ace for a good portion of 2011 um, and certainly going into that ALDS against the Tigers. But Nova is Nova. There's no changing him. He's 29 now and he's sort of uh, res- reserve. Reverted back to his old self here, um, getting beat up by the Rockies twice. He's had a bad string of performances here. Uh, There's no reason he should be in the rotation anymore. I tweeted it after his last start. I said this has to be his last start as a Yankee. They let him start again on Tuesday night. He gets beat up again. And then after the game, Joe Girardi says there's no plans to take him out of the rotation. And then he also says that they're not just going to bring up Luis Severino because someone in the rotation. Ivan Nova, that being, is struggling, which just blew my mind. So I don't know how they're going to go into next week and play the best team in all of baseball, in the Rangers, and let Ivan Nova start against them. I mean, if you're going to sit here and tell us that you're your contenders and you're not going to sell, but you could possibly be buying, and you're going to keep starting Ivan Nova, uh, I just, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, it's a tough stretch, and this is, I mean, this is the same type of company line that we heard about Chase Hedley. I'm not thinking about making a any kind of move. And you're looking at this like scratching your head, like this is insane. Or or Michael Pineda, like you're not going to make a move. We're we're confident in the rotation after Pineda just had you know three or four outings in a row that were just disastrous. But to his credit, Pineda has kind of turned turned the corner a little bit at least least until right now. And um, and I don't know if they have a lot of confidence in Severino right now. I think I think I think what they're thinking in their in their uh, in their GM hats and their brass hats is that. They need to get the confidence up of this kid because he is part of a long-term plan, and they don't want to bring him up against a, a team to get knocked around and have that confidence shattered. Because you know, you know what they, how they feel about confidence, they 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 baby their their uh, young athletes because of their confidence all yeah. the time. Like they nuts. know how to
1: measure the confidence. There's a stat for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The
1: Yankees have it. They
0: have a set. They they've they've paid for the confidence set somehow.
1: (laughs) Well, Nova. I mean, the thing with him is, like you mentioned, Pineda. The only problem is, Pineda through the course of his career, you know, whether it was his first year in Seattle before he got traded here, or his first year before the pine tar and, and shoulder incident, or you know, the beginning of last year, he's shown how he can be a front end starter. Whereas Ivan Nova really hasn't shown that in five years, and his. Time of showing that is much smaller than Michael Pineda, so there's no chance of, of Avon Nova turning it around. He doesn't strike people out. Uh, he's a two pitch pitcher. He's now at he he's now has a 518 ERA last year. He had a 507 the year before that. Before Tommy John, he had an 827. So you really have to go back all the way to 2013. Once he got sent down to AAA, came back up and did well at the end of that year, you're looking at almost three years now since the guy has been a consistent and trustworthy and reliable starter. I don't think he's just going to magically turn it around, and if they're waiting for that to happen, they're just going to keep piling up the losses because there's no way he's going to beat the Texas Rangers next week.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with you, and I apologize. I forgot, I completely forgot that you were a uh, a Michael Pineda (laughs) apologist. I totally forgot about this. This is what left my memory bank, but no. I think more. I think it's more to the reason that they're. I don't think they have the confidence in Severino. I think that that Severino, really, honestly, he's had a, he's had a few outings out in not and and uh, he just he hasn't been that great. In all honesty, I think he's he's still missing with his location, and I think that's the biggest thing that's concerning with him is that he's not uh, locating his pitches. And if he's not locating his pitches, he's not gonna. He's gonna get banged around, especially against the lineup with the uh, the Texas Rangers out.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the thing with Severino is, I guess you have to see him because obviously I don't watch Grand games, but he still is three and zero with like a two something ERA there, so he's doing something right. I, I you know, Giardi has talked about how his pitches aren't as crisp as they have been in the past and such, and I always like to think that the Yankees, you know, know more than I do, especially because they're watching the AAA games. But as we've seen with some of their talent evaluation in the past, um, you know, I guess that's uh, left up for each person's opinion to make. And and as it goes to Pineda, I mean, in June. The Yankees are three and one in his four starts. Twenty four innings pitched, twenty nine strikeouts, three thirty eight ERA. So I do think Big Mike is back.
0: I hope so. I really do because the kid's got all the talent in the world. You know, I think his biggest problem is between the ears. If he can figure that out somehow, if he can find his zen or whatever the hell he needs, then you know he's a top flight starter. I mean, I agree with it. The kid's got all the talent. So let's hope. Uh, hope he can he can uh, harness it into one personality instead of two.
1: Now who's not back is the pitcher you're the apologist for, Nathan of who just keeps getting worse. He just keeps getting worse and worse. And I feel like every time we talk, it's almost like he does bad just so that I have reason to attack you for liking him and then you have nothing to say but you know, to come back. But I know that you still see that, you know, ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred and you're still blown away by it. But I mean the guy, he just he just stinks.
0: Okay, so Look, I, I, I'm, I'm a realist at the same time. I, I've seen enough of Nathan Avaldi when I know when he's going to be effective from the first inning, and I can tell he's going to have a good, out, a good start, or I can tell that he's just going to be the old Nathan Avaldi throw 100 pitches in four and a half innings. And it's all dependent on this, on the, the breaking stuff. Yes, the kid's got a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Yes, he can, uh, he can locate that fastball, I think, pretty well. problem is he's got that when that secondary pitch, now it's the the uh, the splitter that he's that when he was effective early in the season, he was burying the splitter. Everything breaking, all the breaking stuff was down, 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 and that's that's when that hundred mile an hour fastball becomes more effective because out of the hand it looks like a hundred mile an hour fastball and it drops off the clip. But what he cannot do right now, and what I was driving me completely crazy, is that he hasn't had the quote feel for the splitter for the past three. You know, maybe maybe the last one. The last one was a little bit of improvement, but the last, the, the three before that, I mean, it was he, he looked like a terrible pitcher. So I don't know. I don't know how you can lose the feel for a splitter for that long. I, I don't really understand that. It's to me, it's either you know how to do it or you don't. But, um, but yeah, that's his that's his kryptonite. I mean, he knows he needs that splitter working. If it's not working, he's not working.
1: Lastly, in Colorado, I mean they he just got pounded for it in six runs and and they lost the game thirteen ten. And if the Yankees ever score ten runs, they, they need to win that game. and then on Sunday, He sort of did what you said, where in the first, you know, you could tell from the first inning on, and he was pretty dominant early on, and they held that lead and going for the, the, you know, the sweep on Sunday, and then he just blows up out of nowhere, and Girardi lets him blow up, you know, everyone sees him, you know, unraveling and, and can't get it out, but he just keeps him out there and he keeps on doing it, but now to be... You know he hasn't won in June. Four starts. He's given up at least four in runs. Has only gone as far as he's gone as five and a third, which he's gone three out of the four. The other time he went four innings, but now he's sitting there with a 5.02 ERA. I feel like we're getting closer to pulling you into the Nathan Evaldi, uh hate club.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't classify his last outing and, and the last the last inning, the sixth inning of last Sunday as a blow because the the two balls that got him out of this game were was a ground ball to the second base where the uh I don't even remember who the batter was, but they had shifted with they had shifted with this batter, whoever it was, three times or yeah, the first three times. This was a fourth at bat. And every single time he had gone against the shift to the right side, and they did it again. And what did he do? He had a ground ball to the second base. That would have been that would have uh that would have definitely gotten him out of the inning. And then the next one was a broken bat, uh bloop over over uh Ike Davis's head. So look I'm not. I'm not going to defend his last four starts. I think the last one was a little bit better, but he needs to be better. It's the bottom line. He needs to. He needs to get the feel for this breaking stuff permanently. Like, let's learn how to throw this. Let's let's get some checkpoints so we know how to do this every single time out, and it's not an anomaly. You know, if, if he's going to find his slider or his uh, splitter each time he comes onto the mound. So. We'll, well see what
1: happens. If they do become sellers, there's been a lot of talk about how there's a lot of interest in him because he's still controlled for another year and you know, how there's a such a dearth of starting pitching and if they did trade Nathan Avaldi, would you be upset?
0: I, I don't think anybody's uncomfortable. I I gotta see what the return is. It depends on what you're getting, but I'm not I, I, he's definitely not on my list of guys that I'm shopping for sure. But if, if somebody blew me away, um, you know, I'd look at anything. I'm a guy, if I was a general manager, I, I would look at literally anything. So it wouldn't. I mean, I'm not. I'm not completely attached to the dude.
1: <laughs> to, to me, to me, Miller and Batanzas are the only two I would trade. But I have a feeling if they do sell, they'll trade Miller, which is just dumb. But um, those, those, anybody but those two, I, I would be willing to give up.
0: See, I didn't give up. I didn't give up Miller. I think the I think Patances is the long term closer. I think he's going to be the long term closer on this team. And the only reason I'm saying Miller, not that he hasn't been, just an absolutely the, the perfect flare press, because he has. He's done everything. He's done everything he's been asked. He's done everything well. And he's, he's just a good dude. He's a smart guy. Uh, but I think he, you're getting the, the most return uh, for a guy like Miller just because he has controlled uh, you know, past this year. And while, before, if we're comparing, I don't think the is even on the list. But I would say it's either Miller or Chapman or both or one or the other. But Chapman obviously would be a record. Miller is controlled. So you're going to get more of a haul for, for a guy like Miller. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm – not, Saying
1: anybody's well, when it comes to the offense, it's pretty much been the same old story. I mean, uh, Ellsbury and Gardner, they seem to get hot and cold at the same time. Arod strikes out a lot every once in a while. He runs into one, hits it out. Uh, Beltran has still been the best offensive player on the team. McCann was pretty horrible. Then he hits those two home runs on on Sunday, but uh, he's then again been pretty horrible outside of that double on Wednesday. Um, Castro swings at everything. Hopefully that's changing. Headley's been hot, but it's still Chase Headley. Um, you know, Aaron Hicks. I'm just waiting for the day that he's designated for assignment. Uh, and really, then you've got Didi, who's been you know, probably our our most consistent offensive player outside of Beltran. And then you've got Rob Refschneider who they tried to bury once again by signing Ike Davis, (laughs) only to realize that Ike Davis isn't good at baseball. And now Rob Refschneider is finally not being platoon, not being screwed over, um, at least until Mark Teixeira is activated. But for at least the time being, or at least the next few days, Rob Refschneider seems like he'll play every day. And uh, it only took him hitting 300, having long uh, extended at-bats like no one else on the team, you know, great base running, uh, driving in runs. He's, he's pretty much done it all and hasn't screwed up in the infield, which is what they told us for the last two years he would do. So uh, it's good to see Rob Refschneider uh, doing his job and getting the chance. To do it.
0: Yes, I, I can't agree more. This dude has been ready for uh, over a year. I was calling for for Rob Snyder to come up last year in the early in the early pain days of, of Stephen Drew. Like, why is this guy being blocked by a journeyman second baseman? Why is why is run prevention on a team that can't score more than two runs consistently every day? Like, they, they score they score less than two runs at the end of last year and the beginning of this year. I mean, it was it's, it's just its appalling how many times it happens. You need the bats. Let's get some bats up here. The guy's an athlete. He can play multiple positions. Maybe not to a gold glove, gold glove caliber, but he can play it well. He can hold it down. He's shown that. And, yes, finally he's getting his, his shot. And thank God there, there's no attachment to Ike Davis. And I really, really, really pray and hope that when Pichero comes back on Saturday that Ike Davis is sent packing because the fact that they would even consider getting rid of uh, ref Schneider who can play multiple positions is a right-handed bat which this team needs and can hit for average which nobody else can uh, you can't <laughs> send that down you just can't
1: you, you know that this isn't 100% guaranteed that it's Davis and not Ref Schneider
0: I know right? I know I already know it I, like as it's coming
1: out of my mouth I know it and it's, it drives me nuts well I was hoping that it drives me nuts I, I was hoping that the last time Mark Teixeira played was the last time we'd ever see him in a Yankees uniform but because he's uh in a contract year and because he wants to play baseball after this year, um, unlike any other season he's been on the Yankees, he is hurrying to get back and he's you know, saying how he's gonna tough it out and it looks like he won't play even if he's a hundred percent, which in the past he said he would never ever play if he wasn't a hundred percent. So it's good to see Mark Deshera being the fraud he is and hurrying back to the lineup that doesn't need him or want him um because he's in a contract year.
0: Yeah, what a team player, right? This this guy is uh well look, I'll, I'll tell you one thing about the is if he could come back with any semblance of his old self, which there's zero, there's literally zero, uh, zero reasons or, or zero you know, inclination that he would actually come back and contribute at a, at a higher level than he was. But if he could, let's just play the if game. You know this guy is an absolute X factor, and he could change the, the, he could change the offense. and, and that, that could be a guy where if you were to come back and then just add some power from both sides of the plate. He does change the lineup over. I think that helps A. Rods at bats, and and then we're talking about a team that to me is is very different on paper, and and, and can actually potentially do something more. But I, I really do believe that he uh, that this season it's not. I don't think it's going anywhere. But if 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 if, if hell were to freeze over and Mark Teixeira came back and and actually regained some form and was able to hit the ball out of the park. Then I look at this team a little differently because I think the, uh, if you have a healthy middle of the lineup like that with Teixeira, then then, then I think the team could compete.
1: I, I always feel like he's the luckiest guy in the world because... Uh, you know, his first year he was he was an MVP candidate, but then he was horrible in the playoffs and A-Rod carried them to a championship. So he never had to worry about, you know, being in that, uh, oh, this guy can't play or win in New York the way A-Rod was for the first uh, five seasons in New York. And then, uh, you know, he's been injured and he's always been banged up, but it's always been in seasons where, you know, a lot of other superstars or big names on the Yankees were injured or banged up. So people always talked about them and worried about them and never really worried about him. He's sort of always been able to fly under the radar. And because Swisher and Granderson, and A-Ron and Cano had postseason problems uh you know his postseason problems always sort of went away so and it just goes to show you know this year had Greg Bird been healthy and had they really started him in AAA like they said he would and you know if he had been knocking on the door once again to come back up and he was tearing it up then maybe you know Teixeira would be on the bench it would be this whole great thing where he wasn't playing because Bird was doing great but of course Bird you know misses the season and Teixeira gets escaped by and now all the other first basemen are hurt so I'm sure he'll come back and they'll reinsert him into the lineup and Ref Schneider will, um, you know, either be on the bench or they'll screw him over and keep Davis and send Ref Schneider down. But things always seem to work out for Mark Teixeira.
0: Yeah, you're right. Now that, that he's gone through that whole, he's just listed everything. You're right. He's a, he's a lucky bastard. That dude, uh, he, he's got everything on on his side. But, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame that his bat is going to keep Ref Schneider's bat out of the lineup because unless he is productive, which, I mean, I don't see happening. I mean, it was sitting under 200 for, you know, two months plus. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame what's going to happen because, uh, he, he's got a clear path back to the lineup, and, and I don't. The only thing that's going to take him out
1: of that lineup is is injury. Yeah, and it's not like you know a few years ago before the season uh, when he gave that interview with the Wall Street Journal. He was talking about how you know he's never going to be the player he was. He doesn't want to hit for average anymore. He just wants to get his home runs and RBIs. But he's not even doing that anymore. I mean, if the guy's going to hit two twenty, which would be nice because he's not even hitting two hundred. But if he's going to hit something low like that and I'll still hit thirty home runs and drive in somewhere near a hundred, then okay, we deal with it because a lot of other teams deal with players like that. But, you know, he hasn't hit a home run since the sixth game of the season, which was also the first game of the Rangers Penguin series. The Stanley Cup, you know, happened a week ago. That was almost uh three months ago by the time he comes back. So it's not like this guy was doing anything. Um and, and to hear, oh well, you know, he'll make a great play and people will say, well, he still plays defense, but there's a lot of guys who we could find as a good defensive first baseman who can't hit as well. So to have three home runs and 12 RBIs and hitting below 200 to play as long as he did and get as many at bats as he did. um, You know, I just don't see it. And of course, in his first rehab game on Tuesday night, he went over three, and then hit a sack fly, and of course he doesn't get a hit. So after the game, he said his goal isn't results; it's just um, you know seeing pitches and having at bats. And of course, a guy who doesn't get a hit is going to say that's his goal. But um, yeah, I, d- I don't expect anything you know from him other than to continue to stunt the growth of Rob Refshneider,
0: <laughs> the, the new Yankee organization. Yeah. The, yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. And and yeah, the offer the Oprah definitely definitely always follows up. Well, hey, I'm here to I'm here to get the feel back. I'm here to get my timing back. I'm not looking for. I'm not, I'm not worried about the results, but you're right. This is uh, this is we could we can get the same results for for April and May and and a little bit into June if we had signed Duncan Kavich off of the bet, off of his couch. He's a good glove, probably hit 180, and maybe hit two home runs. I don't know. I think I think McKay-Mitch might have fallen into a couple home runs.
1: <laughs> well, before uh, you know, before this month started and and they've had an up and down month, but I said they needed to get to 48 and 40 at the at the um, all star break to really have a chance and to be in the middle of things and that would take them uh, going right now 13 and four in their last 17 which seems you know impossible so a couple weeks ago I turned it down to 47 and 41 which would make them have to go twelve and five which is still pretty you know uh you know it's not exactly gonna happen probably so uh, they're, they're gonna need to just Play over five hundred, you know, get to five hundred, get over it, and hope that they're in the mid mix for a wild card spot. But you know, at the same time, like we talked about earlier, this division has sort of allowed them to hang around, even though they've been as bad as they have. But this weekend with the Twins, next week with the Rangers, um, and that crazy, crazy road trip before the uh, the All Star break um, will certainly decide if they're buyers or sellers. And I know Hal Steinbrenner continues to say that uh, you know he expects this team to be in it um, in July and through July. But you know, at what point? Um, you know, I know you're already part of the, the selling group, but at, at what date, what point, you know, I, I feel like you don't really want to wait till, the, till at least the deadline because by then other teams have made moves and you've lost some of your suitors. But what's the target date for you when they really need to, you know, decide what they're going to do here?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I always use the, the all-star break as a, as a good gate for, to, of where the team is. And, you know, maybe the following week, uh, so you, you kind of get into, you have the break. You know, there's a lot of conversations happening around the break. Uh, a lot of, the, I think, a lot of these GMs are, are are all talking at that point. But in all honesty, I'm I'm totally fine with with the Yankees' brass saying that they're not sellers, because I mean that's okay. I mean, even if they are, they, even if they want to sell, them saying they're not sellers doesn't mean they're not having conversations in the back. They're just coming out and saying, "Hey, we're not sellers. Blow us away, and possibly we'll give you something." I mean, I, I'm fine with that. To me, it, it can also be part of a negotiation tactic. So you, you really don't know what's going on in the background do I believe what the media says and what the, the you know the the clips that that the sunburners are giving to uh to all the b the b reporters you know I really hold them with a lot of uh with with a lot of weight but yeah i'm I'm, I'm always the guy like after the all star break the week after the all star break like you' you're turning another gear on you're ready to go and and you should really kind of know where your season is at that point.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say around that time too, because I think they're also fortunate this year where they have a a sort of a defining date if they're gonna sell. Because after the All Star break, they play. uh, You know, they have a huge ten game homestand. The first seven of those games are against three against Boston and four against Baltimore, the two teams they'll likely be chasing along with Toronto. So if they can't really put together a run here before the All Star break, and if things get off to a rocky start right after that against Boston and Baltimore, then I'd say yeah, right around you know July twenty second is when they'll start to see some pieces fly. Uh, but hopefully it doesn't get to that because, you know, the division's letting them hang around, and if they could do some work here against Minnesota, hopefully Texas, and go on the road here, uh, maybe they will be buyers, which I know is something that, you know, it seems like really this fan base is split. You, you know, you talk to you know everyone, and half the people want to sell, half the people want to buy. So um, I feel like the people that want to sell, though, are so against buying, even if they do get themselves back in it before the All-Star break.
0: I, I'm just looking around this roster. and looking around, you know, what's what's happening in, in the, you know, the, the 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 organization and the minor leagues. And, and I'm, if they were to be buyers, I guess I'm not I'm not wrapping my head around what they would actually buy because, you know, I'm not I'm not certain that a, a front end starting pitcher is going to going to help this team get to the next level. I'm not certain that you know a, a top line bat's going to be available. That's in a position that they can afford to be available. So I'm just, I just don't see where they would buy. I mean, I guess it would be a pitcher, but I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if that's going to be enough to to do something, you know, that's, that's going to put this team over the, over the hump.
1: All right, Scott, thanks for coming on and thanks for giving me your time. And, uh, we'll have to do this again soon before the all-star break. Hopefully by then the Yankees have gone on a little bit of a run and, uh, given us some hope and, and maybe there'll be buyers instead of sellers.
0: Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I, I hope so. I mean, one can only hope. I, I hope that my, uh that that my perspective can change because, in all honesty, at the end of the day, I want us seem to be winning, but we'll see. We will see. There's a, there's been a been a lot of a uh, lot of gray area circling, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks again for having me on.